0: say good morning to you. And of course, good morning to our campuses and to the 12 locations in 12 correctional facilities, Italy as well, and Mozambique, Africa. Come on, Celebration Church. Let's say hello to everybody. Good to see you guys. So pray. I want us to pray over Ukraine. I want us to pray over our military men and women here as well as in Italy. Many of our English speakers and our English church, if you will. We have celebration in Naples, Italy, and it's got two services, Italian and then English, and almost 100% of the English-speaking side of our church are made up of military from the naval base there in Naples, and in particular, the Sixth Fleet. And there are some high-level officials, high-level military men and women that are involved with NATO. In fact, they're all heavily involved with NATO. That's all I am allowed to say, and that's all I will tell you is that we need to pray because it's hopefully, we would all love to think that it's going to start to decline, but there seems to be some ramping up of some activity, and uh, we just need to ask God. Now, I know that we also, we just, we just need to simply ask the Lord to surround his people and uh, for some supernatural involvement and in whatever that looks like we also have to just continue to put our trust in the Lord. Can I get a witness, somebody? So it's real world, guys. It's real world. And uh, Lord, we look to you because you're a real God. And you are equal. You're equal to the task. In fact, you're above it. You're beyond it. And there's no storm. There's no battle. There's no war. There's no trouble or trial that is greater than you. So, Lord, right now, we as a nation and we as a church, we pray for our body of believers in Naples. I pray, Father, for our military men and women, both here and abroad, those that are in Poland, Germany, and those surrounding nations. Lord, we're just praying for your surrounding power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for their wives and husbands and family that, God, they would be comforted. But, Lord, we're asking for a resolve. We're asking, Lord, that this would come to an end the pain, the destruction, the death. Lord, we also ask that you would strengthen the churches, that revival would break out, because the only hope we have right now, Lord, is you. The only hope that is in this world is you, Jesus. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just cause eyes to see and ears to hear who Jesus really is, and that, that God there would just come, Lord, a, a great awakening out of this pain. And, Lord, we just ask right now for your for your hand to just lead and to guide. And, Lord, you said kings, are are in your hands lord we're just praying that you would god guide these leaders to righteousness to truth to what's right lord we look to you we intercede right now asking for your protection for your supernatural miraculous power to manifest we need it and we look to you in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. how many are thankful for god's presence and god's reality so Today we are beginning a brand new series called Endeavor, and we're not just beginning this brand new series called Endeavor, it's a brand new ministry that we're calling Endeavor. In fact, underneath your butt is this card, and uh, we Endeavor. We're going to talk about that, you're going to hear a lot about that in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, somebody's excited about it, finally. In his prayer life, God has answered his prayers. And so... The word endeavor means to exert oneself. It, it means to, to try. You, you just saw Ken Schiller, who was talking about stepping out, trying, attempting. And his world, you heard, was in the restaurant industry. He was also an airline pilot. He was a farmer. He was an astronaut. He was, lastly, he founded Rudy's. How many are thankful for Rudy's? And... Uh, I think it's pretty interesting that the first, well, probably the first three months of living in Austin, our first three months of meals were from Rudy's. Uh, how many are new to this area and you went to Rudy's? I mean, that's just been, you know, your picnic table and corn and, uh, and all the other stuff. And, and the reality is, is that was where we as a church would go after church. And then Ken started his mighty fine hamburger uh, franchise. Yeah, a lot of excited people. And, uh, but it's interesting, here we are 20 years later and this restaurant that was founded by this man here in the Austin area and his companies now sits in this church, but endeavoring or now taking, taking it from just being about meals to now ministry. And, and really that is what I want to be talking about over these next several weeks is that God is, yes, he's, he's, about, he's about making meals. He's about you being, and we're going to talk about this a lot, about you being successful in the marketplace. But it is, as some of the theologians would describe when it comes to marketplace ministry, it's the way God disguises gifts into the marketplace. God, God disguises himself through men and women in the marketplace to reveal, to reveal that he's a good God. And we often don't realize how, how sacred that space is, the workspace. So today we are not just launching, and many of you have already been a part of Endeavor, which is our new workplace ministry that is simply designed to empower you to live out your faith at work in all of your industries and your careers as maybe a business owner or maybe an executive or a manager or you're just an hourly wage worker and it's not just, but the reality is, is that God has you there. And we're going to be talking about why, why work is good today and how work is good. But endeavor, what we want to do is not only equip you for your ministry in, in work, but also to inspire you, to encourage you, to edify you, to realize that that Sunday is not the day before you have to go to work. Some of you don't like Sunday because you're like, I got to go to work tomorrow. I hate work. And when you live with that kind of attitude, you might be the worst representation of Jesus on the planet. Uh, well, praise God. Um, the reality is, is that we must see work as Holy. The reality is, as we must see work as God sees work, and work is good. Come on, say that with me. Work is, work is good. Work is good. I was taught by a mom and a dad, work is good. I was taught by a mom and a dad who were born in the 20s and the 30s, work is vacation. My vacation. How many had a mom and her dad that was born 20s, 30s, maybe in the teens? Let me see your hand. If your mom and dad were born in the Great Compression or Depression, as my parents were, my dad came from a very poor family. My mom came from more of a not I wouldn't say rich family, but she she didn't have to concern herself like my dad did on a daily basis for food. Dad's family was sharecroppers, and uh, in northern Mississippi, and and mom's family owned owned the crops, and um, both of them though put within. Me and my two older brothers, a love for work. And I had no choice. I remember at an early age, I was five years old. My dad said, you need to learn how to work. At five, I'm like, I'm five. (laughs) Even as a five-year-old, seven-year-old, I knew this was not right. (laughs) And my dad said, well, call the the officials and just to see how that's going to work out for you. (laughs) Call the officials on your way out if you don't like it. My dad used to say, if you don't like the way the rules are in this house, the door's open from the inside. From the inside. Once you walk out that door, you'll never get back in. And then he used to say, if you don't like my rules of work, you can leave and you can move. I'm seven when he was telling me these (laughs) things. And he says, but I'm going to allow you to leave, but you can only leave with what you paid for. And I'm looking around at, Everything on my body was paid for by him. And he goes, that's the point. Good luck. But what he did put within my brothers and I is this understanding that even at an early age, my dad said, you're not going to just lollygag and live in pajamas on Saturday morning. You're going to go to work. I'm like, again, we're watching Bugs Bunny. We're watching Coyote back in the day, the Three Stooges. And... uh, My dad said, there's an empty lot next to us, and I'm sure those people who own that lot would love for that lot to be cut. And my dad volunteered my life, (laughs) my Saturday life, with a Western Auto lawnmower that was probably 18 inches wide, with no safety mechanisms at all. How I have fingers and toes, I do not know. And my parents do not care. And um, cut that grass all day long, literally just back and forth at seven years old with the handlebar being taller than me for $5. And then it would progress. Then it would go as I would at 14 or 15. I would work as a ball boy when my dad was coaching the NFL, but then I got my first real job at Piggly Wiggly. Where are my Piggly Wiggly people at? The pig. And uh, I knew my parents loved to work when I was at a movie. I was I was about 14, 15 years old. We had just moved to the Mississippi, Louisiana area. Literally, at that time, we were living in Natchez, Mississippi, and I was at the movie theater watching the new Star Wars. I didn't have to work that day. By myself, in the middle of whatever was happening in that Star Wars movie, I feel somebody come right beside me. In fact, get right next to me and start, Joseph, Joseph. And I thought it was Obi-Wan Kenobi or (laughs) The Force. It was my mother. And I thought somebody had died. I said, what is it? What's happened? Is there a fire? What is going on? And she said, Piggly Wiggly called. And they need a a bag boy. And they need you now. And I'm in the middle of my popcorn, in the middle of my movie. And for some reason, I did what she told me to do. I didn't think this was disrespect. I didn't think this was wrong. I didn't think this was unjust. I didn't I didn't think this was communism which might have been, but <laughs> work called. And You go to work. Cuz I'm making money. You need to make that money. You don't need to sit here and watch a movie. And I didn't reject. I didn't resist and I got up and went home and put on my white shirt and my black tie. Made it to Piggly Wiggly, walked in maybe 30 minutes later. And the manager was standing there saying, well, we, we got somebody else. And I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed. But I wasn't mad. That's what happens. That's life. I went home. Mom said, why are you back already? And I said, well, they got somebody else. Now, Mom was not happy. <laughs> but she used it as a teaching moment to say that's the way life is. That's the way work is. And that's not going to be the last time that you're going to be disappointed It's not going to be the last time that you're going to have hardship. It's not going to be the last time. And then in high school, when it would roll around for spring break, I remember several of these kind of spring break vacations. When my friends were headed off to Destin, I was headed off to paint the fence in our front yard, scraping it, painting it for all week long. My dad handed me a paintbrush and white paint. And he said, this is your vacation." And he said, but Joe, let me just tell you something. The reality is, is this is life, but you're going you're gonna to find in the future, you're going to find in the future that yes, vacations, that's good. And I'm not saying my dad and mom were uh, just anti-fun. Most of the time they weren't. But what they put within my brothers and what they put within me was that work is good. Life isn't a vacation. It's a vocation. Life is not a vacation. It's an occupation. There is right now in our world today. And I get it when people say, well, I'm not going to die for my company. I'm not going to die for that corporation. I get all of that. And we have, we have some, I understand, we've, we've got some situations in the corporations in the world that we're living in today. But, and then there's great resignation that's going on. Have you heard about it? Some 38, 40 million people last year quit their jobs. Because they said, we're not going to leave or uh, live our life for this company, for this corporation. They're not in alignment with our values. I get all that. I, and I think that there's some alignment that's proper and true. And I, I do believe that there's some people that are mistreating their employees. I, I get all that. But I think there's also a great escape. I don't just call it the great resignation. I call it the great excuse. To get out of work. Again, life isn't about vacation how many have had interviews you're hiring maybe a new employee and they want to know what's the vacation package how many days off how many days do we have to work basically what they're saying it'd be like a football team saying how few days do we have to practice in other words it'd be like saying to a coach I don't like practice I don't want to run wind sprints I just want to play the game I just want payday I just want to be paid and I want everybody to get along and I want it to be easy and I want it to be fun. Life is about fun. And the more life goes in that direction, listen, the more that you buy into that, I'm not saying life is not enjoyable. I'm not saying life is not to be filled with joy. I get all that. But when you and I begin to go away from this understanding that that work is good, It was not bad. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it was good that I was afflicted when I was young. It was good that my parents handed me a paint can and a paintbrush. It was good that my parents said, you're going to go to work even though you didn't get to watch the last. In fact, to this day, I've never watched the second half of (laughs) of that Star Wars movie. It was not bad. Because what's happened now is a result of work. As a result of a work ethic. Listen, when, when you work, when understand something. This is a really important point. Life works when you work. When you work, life is good. When you don't work, life is not good. Let me give you some of these principles the Bible tells us. Proverbs 6, 9 through 11. Lazy bones. <laughs> I don't know if that's the actual Hebrew word there, but in a living translation. How long are you going to stay in bed? How long are you going to stay in bed and sleep and watch more judge movies or judge shows in the morning? Judge Judy. I love Judge Judy. When will you wake up? When will you get out of bed? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and then guess what? Verse 11, what happens to you? Life doesn't work. Poverty. All of a sudden, you find yourself with poverty issues, pouncing on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. And you're saying the devil, it's not the devil. It's your work. Somebody just spilled their vodka. I think they're from Seattle. Go to work. I see you. We actually have, the coxes ran from Seattle. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues, watch this, video games lack sense. That's what that wordless thing <laughs> means. That's what my dad was saying, Joe, I don't want you to live a life on Saturday where you just lay around the house all day in pajamas. And it's not that we didn't have fun again. It's not that we, we live this kind of life, but I will say that my dad said, Joe, you you can't have it all. You can't have all your fun time and then you want to have, have a house. <laughs> you can't say you want to have all day to do whatever you want and then wonder why you don't have a car. And you have to ride a bus or you got to dig a ditch. You wonder why you can't have it all. He says the land of the diligent or the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. Notice what he was saying, the hand of the diligent rules. It's interesting, not all the time, but a lot of times God says here, the hand of the diligent. Those that are working hard end up getting the promotions, but the one that is always late after lunch doesn't get the promotions. In all labor there's profit, but talk, more talk leads only to what? Leads to poverty. In the book of John, Jesus said, my father, God, is working. He's working. He's always working. He's a working God. How many are thankful he's not a sleeping God? He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. My father is working and I am what? I am working. In other words, because I'm his son, I'm a worker. So when you say you're a son or a daughter of God, you bear his image. His image is a working image. His to have the nature of God, to have the characteristic, to have the, the life of God in you does not allow for laziness. The Holy Spirit never leads us to laziness. That's why He says, the first song we sang was what? Arise from your sleep, O sleeper. You were literally singing Ephesians chapter 5. It's time to get out of bed. And what we're saying here at Endeavor, in our Endeavor ministry, is we don't want to just. We don't just want to come to church, but we need to get into the marketplace. We need to arise from our spiritual religious bed and go where most of the people live and where most of the people will never come, and that is church. How many have family that no matter what you say, no matter how hard you press them to come to church, they ain't coming? They're not coming because you're asking them to come and they know who you are. They're like, We know you, you're a fraud. And I'm not saying my brothers have ever called me that. Oh, yes, they have. That's what they said about Jesus, isn't it? And where most of the people live is in the marketplace. Where do you spend most of your life? Work. In the marketplace. And I really do believe we need to understand and endeavor and why we want to endeavor, why we want to step into these spaces is for what Jesus said. I glorified you, John 17, 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Work glorifies God. Yeah. Students, you may not be in that in full-time employment now, but your work, your job is to make those grades. Amen. Your job right now, all the parents said, yes, yes I heard Yes. Sick them, get them, storm the gates of hell with them. The reality is that Jesus said, I accomplished your work. That literally means I didn't just do work. He didn't say I just did the work that that God wanted me to do. It literally means I did it with excellence. I did it with love. I did it with passion. I did it with fervor. I did it to bring glory to God. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5, even so, I have noticed one thing at least that this is good. It is good for people to eat. How many know it's good to eat? How many are going to eat today? How many are going to eat today? How many are going to fast today? Let me see your hand. Get out of here. No, I need you to fast, actually. How many are going to drink? Holy drink. Holy drink. you're like, no, I'm going to drink. You don't tell me it's holy. It's all holy, Pastor Joe. I sanctified it. And Jesus started it. I understand. <laughs> and then he says, "And enjoy their what?" Work. You know what he's saying is, joy comes from work. Nobody feels good lying in bed all day long. Nobody, nobody says, "I feel so good about my life." And I don't move. I don't work. I don't labor. I don't do anything. I just collect a, a check from the government. I just lay around. God does not differ with helping people who cannot work, but He does have a problem with people who can work and people who are supposed to work. And the system of God is that if you don't work, you don't what? And He's not against, again, He's not against people who can't work. We're supposed to be merciful and kind to the poor. That's part of our job. That's why we work, so we can help the poor and help those that are in need. But there is a joy when we work. And then he goes on to say, during the short life God has given them. Well, Pastor Joe, that's why I don't want to work. Life is short. Well, who's going to feed you? Who's going to clothe you? Where where are you going to get the things that you like to go and do? And to accept their lot... In life, let me give you a couple of things about Endeavor that I think it's important for you to understand. What's, what's the vision of Endeavor? And here it is, it's on the screen, to transform the world by serving God in the workplace. Transform the world by serving God, by being godly in the workplace, by bringing God, representing and presenting God in the workplace. And then here's the mission. Work is created by God for God. Work is created by God, for God, and you are placed there for what? A purpose. We exist to inspire, connect, and equip believers to fulfill that purpose. Listen, there were many jobs that I had that I didn't like, but I was there on purpose. The greatest college, Bible college, college universe I ever went to was a job. God talked to me more in those jobs. I worked as a roustabout. That's in the oil field. That's lower than a roughneck. How many workers in the oil field? How many have ever worked in the oil field? How many many were roustabouts where you you laid the flow line? You laid, you built the tank batteries. How many have ever seen those horses that they would call them? Those are pumping units. I would build those. I would set those up. And I worked after college. I I went from LSU getting my degree to working as a roustabout with a crew of six guys. I was the only guy with a tooth in his mouth. That's one of the things that I did learn. Brush your teeth. Honestly. But I learned more about life. Working. I learned more about pain and suffering and where people really live. In that job. In that place. There's a purpose. There's a purpose where you are. And I also learned how to sympathize or to have mercy on people who were never told by a mom and a dad work is good or education is good or how to get out of maybe some of those impoverished mindsets. And I think that you and I need to see that when we look at the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and there were listeners there were hearers there, and they were blown away. They were astonished. And they go, hey, this Jesus, where is he getting these things? Where is this wisdom coming from? Miracles that he's performing by his hands? Is not this the what? That's where he got them. That's where he got his wisdom. That's where he learned how to operate in the ways of God. That's how he learned life. He was a carpenter. He did not come as a philosopher. He did not come as a general. He was not born in the home of a CEO or a celebrity. He was born in the home of a carpenter who ran a business. And he had a trade. And he had a job. And Jesus, for those 30 years as we know, the public life was three years, but his private life for 30 years was carpentry. Carpentry being wood, probably not, probably more like stone and brick as it was more common in those days. But what does Jesus teach us coming as a carpenter? What does Jesus teach us? What does he model for us? What does he instruct us to understand about an ordinary life? A common life. A life that you say, this is not exciting, I quit. Or if he were to said, I don't want to go down in the home of Joseph and Mary. They're carpenters. I want rich people. I want rich families. How many of you have ever said, why didn't I get the rich family? Why did I have to get the poorest people on the planet? Because that's where most people live. And you and I would have never been able to identify with our Savior if he would have been born to the Kardashians. (laughs) Somebody like, don't you talk about my Kardashians like that. (laughs) He was born as a carpenter. And he was a carpenter. And I think that you and I can learn some things. I think that we can learn some values. Like Jesus. In fact, let me just before I get into that, here's some values that we have here as it relates to endeavor. It's Christ first. We want to model Christ first. We model in our lives that it's about Jesus. He's at the center of our work. Work's important, but it's not more important than Jesus, right? Secondly, we're servant-minded. We're servant-minded. We go to work thinking about other people. How do we be a blessing to other people? It's not about self. It's not about ourselves. We put others first. The world... First of all, it says it's not Christ first, it's you first. It's not having a servant mindset, it's be the boss. It's be the commander, being the, the leader. The third one is growth through excellence, growth through excellence. Results do matter. You want an ROI on your investment. Can I get a witness somebody? You want a return on your labor. God is all about that. In fact, the Bible tells us when Jesus dispensed the gifts, and he gave five, and he gave two, and he gave one. He goes, now what's the ROI? What's the return on my investment in your life? And the one that had five brought back five. He goes, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your salvation. The second one brought back two, two more. He goes, great, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the one brought back what? He just oh, I got this. I didn't lose it. And he goes, ah, I didn't want you to, I didn't want you to play it safe. I want you to do something with it. It's interesting, he didn't lose it. He brought it back. He actually had it. God says, that's that's not what I wanted. I wanted more. I wanted growth. And he went to hell for it. (laughs) Like, drop the mic on Jesus. What in the world? He goes, enter into darkness. I mean, the Lord just brought him straight to hell. All he had was a bad month of sales. But it wasn't just that. (laughs) He buried it. He didn't make a call. He didn't use it. He didn't do anything. He slept. He played video games. Now, we have a lot of video game makers in our church, so I'm not downing video games. Buy them to help our video game makers in our church. But don't play them. It's growth through excellence. In other words, we want to grow because... We're glorifying God in how we do. That's what Jesus said. I finished the work that my father gave me to do. I finished it or I accomplished it and I brought glory to him. But that word there means I did it perfectly. Let me ask you a question. In other words, what Jesus is saying is when I went to work and I lived for these 33 years on this planet, I went to work perfectly. What he's saying is I went to work with an attitude that said, God, use me. What's your attitude when you go to work tomorrow? What would people say when you walk through those doors? What do they think about you when they, when they see you pull up in the parking lot? She's here. She's here. Wah, wah. Let's go. Let's go, guys. <laughs> or do they say, you know what? Here comes somebody that, Wow blows us away in how they live, how they serve, how they work. And so Jesus lived with an attitude that said, I'm here to glorify my Father. But he wasn't religious. You guys, understand something? He didn't walk in going, I'm here to glorify my Father. <laughs> I know a lot of Christians say, okay, so what you're saying is tomorrow when I walk in, I walk in with my Bible and I tell everybody, Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Savior of my life, and if you're not saved, you're going to hell. Is that what you want me to do tomorrow? <laughs> No, I want you to go to work and keep your mouth shut (laughs) and be the best employee. (laughs) So that then when they say, I see hope in you, I see life in you, what is it? Now you can go, well, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. (laughs) Southern Jerusalem for those that are... When we planted Celebration Church, guys, before we started Celebration, we planted Celebration first in the Round Rock Chamber commerce. First place we went to was the Round Rock Chamber. First place we went to was the marketplace. And I'm going to tell you, it caused the biggest growth to this very day. Just sowing a seed, becoming a part. In fact, they said, we've never had a church join the Round Rock Chamber of Commerce. We've, in fact, we started joining all the commerce, the Chamber of Commerce in Austin, Georgetown. And they said, we've never had a church join. And when people say, well, where did some of the growth come from? How did you all grow? How did you get out of those places? And I said, we joined the marketplace. We got involved. We started taking life to where people live. Most of their day, most of their career, most of their time is in the business world. And we just began to hang out with business people in business settings. And one of the prayers that we had, of course, you have all heard the phrase, it is Austin. That's literally what the Lord spoke to Lori and I separately on the same day. It is Austin. That's why we moved here. But what you don't remember, or what you may not know, is that there were three prayers that we prayed for years. And the first prayer was, Lord, put us in a city we had never been to before. Number two, put us in a city that we knew no one. Now, I will say I would not tell people these prayers, because it helps to have people there. Helps to know where you're going, but I had faith for it. But here's the third prayer that brought Austin. I said, Lord, put us in a city that wants to work. I literally, the prayer was, put us in a city that wants to change the world. And as I'm looking at these messages and looking at where we're going as a church, what I was really praying was, Lord, put me in a city that wants to go to work. Why is Austin... Working. Why is Austin growing? But more importantly, why are you here? You're here on purpose. No, Pastor Joe, I'm here for a paycheck. I'm here for Tesla. I'm here for Elon. And I feel like if I work for Elon here, he's going to put me on SpaceX and I'm going to be one of those seven people. (laughs) Not unless you have a million dollars in your pocket. The reality is that you were brought to this place for a purpose. Work is not a four-letter word. Work is not a necessary evil. It's not a waste of time. It isn't about money. It's not about boring or it's not about a buzzkill. It's not bad. It's not hard. It's good. And when they saw Jesus, they saw Jesus coming and he came as a carpenter. For this reason, I really do believe philosophically and theologically is that Jesus wanted to reveal to you and to me that if he can be the difference maker to all of us as a carpenter, so can you. A carpenter. And all the carpenters, yes, amen, the carpenter movement. Let's look at what he's, I think is modeling for us Jesus became a carpenter, and it teaches us that we are not to withdraw from the world. There's a lot of Christians that say, when I get saved, I just want to get out of the world. I just want to be a monk. There's another bottle of vodka that is (laughs) spilled. We might need to wrap our bottles in carpet. Anyway, um, there's a lot of people that just want to be Christians and withdraw. There's been over the years and over the centuries various church movements where the call the command was now that you're saved let's just all get out and go to the hills let's just get out and go to the cave let's just get and that's so opposite of Jesus Jesus said you are the what you are the salt of the earth you're the light of the world you are if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. What Jesus is saying is that you are, you're the work. You're the w- difference. And if you're not working, salt salt that is sand is not working. Right? If salt has lost its flavor, you would say, this is not working. What he is saying is, you're the workers. You're the difference. You bring, as salt brings what? It brings life. It brings life. It brings change. It brings preservatives. It's character. Salt means character, influence, impact, and effect. How do you do that? Through your attitude when you go to work. I hate this place. God's going to judge it. Honestly. If you have that testimony of being the most negative person at the plant, you are worthless to God. I'm just reading what the Bible says. Good for nothing except to be fired and trampled underfoot by man. In other words, you'll never get a job. You shouldn't be be hired. We should not be those kind of people. Some of you are like, I did not come to church to hear this kind of message about work. I want to hear about God, not about work. (laughs) And your life doesn't work probably for this reason. Jesus was teaching us, guys, we're the light. Light is life. Salt is life, which means salty people. We're supposed to be salty people. We flavor. What does that mean? We engage in the culture. We vote. We're involved. We voice our opinion. We voice our desires. How many know what I'm talking about? We pray. We, we, have, we have influence. We're not just people that just lay down. We get involved. I'm hearing in Ukraine from pastors. I'm talking to various pastors and ministries. There's a lot of Ukrainian pastors and ministers, both male and female, that are refusing to leave Ukraine because they said, if we leave, who's going to hear the gospel? They are the salt. Number two, Jesus being a carpenter. Teaches us that he didn't come with a crusader mentality either. So he didn't teach us to withdraw, but he also did not want us to have what even some of the disciples had back in the day, and that is when his disciples, James and John, saw how the people were listening and not reacting and responding to Jesus, they said to Jesus, can we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? How many of you have ever prayed that prayer over your neighborhood before? (laughs) Can we kill them? Can we, watch this, can we go on a crusade? And make people believers. And when people talk about over the centuries, the church or the big C church, we often hear about the crusaders going into nations, going into people's lives, saying, if you don't bow to this cross or if you don't believe in Jesus, we're going to what? We're going to kill you. How many know that's not Jesus? So when people say, man, I don't believe in God because of the crusaders. Well, I don't believe either in crusaders because that's not Christ. That's a perverted gospel. And so Jesus, as a carpenter, watch this, what do carpenters do? They build. They don't tear down. And when you go into this world, you'll never have an impact. You'll never make a difference in work if you are a person that has become religious and legalistic. Every one of you has to walk through, I think, a season after your eyes are open to who Jesus is. And you become aware that you're saved and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you're a follower, a disciple of Christ. Every person, though, has to walk through that period where they get legalistic. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying 100%. I'm just telling you, most people, especially that want to go all the way with God, you went 50 years of your life in darkness, living like the devil, and then you get saved, and now you go out of this place going, you better give your life to Jesus. <laughs> today. You lived in 50 years of rebellion, and now you're going to go around the world and tell everybody how they're going to hell. You were going to hell last night. You got saved this morning, and now you got got religion. And I'm not saying there's not such a thing as that reality of coming from, light, from dark to light and from, from being in bondage to, to freedom in a, in a moment. I get all that, but let me just take I had to walk through this. Because as a hundredfolder, as somebody that is all the way with God, we all begin to have, <laughs> you're not as holy as I am. And your church is not as holy as my church. <laughs> yeah. In fact, there's a lot of compromise out here in the city. (laughs) And I just wish everybody would be as on fire for God as I am. Yeah, they... uh... Yeah. I saw them. Saw them walk through that section there at HEB, the beer section. I saw them. He was looking. He was looking at beer. He was looking at it. I was watching. In fact, I do that as a minister. I stand there and I watch... Celebration members. I stand outside of all the subways because next to subways are all the liquor stores, and I stand there and I watch all the people. You devil, you. Go to work. Jesus, as a carpenter, teaches us he's not about conquering culture, he's not about crusading people to Christ. He's about building people up, he's about serving people. And, of course, about laying down life. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Jesus, being a carpenter, teaches us that all work matters to God. All work. Well, I'm just. Really? No such thing in God's mind. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus in his carpentry, in his building, whatever he was building, houses, business. He's a carpenter. Ordinary. Average, normal. It's God. See, I think we have, with our, especially our technology to watch people travel and go all over the world, you begin to think, well, how do I travel and go all over? How do I get a boat? How do I become a Russian oligarch? (laughs) You don't want to be one right now. (laughs) The Italian government's taking all their boats. They're like, yay! The truth is, is that it's sacred. Whatever you're doing, whatever your hand, Jesus was born to a carpenter's family. He did carpentry. He didn't seek to get out of that carpentry. He didn't say, I don't like carpentry. Do you think he could have saved the world had he hated being a carpenter? No. Do you think the day that he was raised up out of that water by John the Baptist, did he go, finally, finally, I'm in ministry. Finally, I'm going to do something for God because I've been in this God forsaken carpentry business. And Joseph was probably dead by then. So probably most of his life, most of the people will tell you, the historians will tell you, he probably took care of his mother through that carpentry. Do you think finally I'm going to be recognized and I got a real job? No. He hears the father before he even starts anything. Say to him, well done. This is my son who pleases me. As a what? Carpenter. Carpenter. Yes, just don't ever just say, I'm just. There's no such thing as just a teacher. Just a lawn boy or a lawn man. Just. There's no such thing. How many have ever had days where you just wish you could just go sell tacos in a taco truck? Or be like Ken Schiller in one of his 42 different professions, be an airplane pilot. I used to go to the airline. I literally would not like my job at Coca-Cola for a time. And I'd drive out to the New Orleans airport and park at the end of the runway, pretending I was on those planes. How many other crazy people are in this church? Let me see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see you. We'll fly together to nowhere. Jesus was teaching us all work matters of God. Watch this. And you know Why? Because there are people there that matter to God. And Greg Berzina and Ralph Ortega, I'm on this platform, guys. I do what I do. I am where I am as a Christian and as a preacher. I really do believe my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life from the day that two professional, not preachers, two professional football players saw their job as more than just playing football. They took the time to bring this 14 year old boy up to their dorm room during training camp and forgot about the logo and the uniform and their title as a professional football player for the Atlanta Falcons and all Americans at both schools University of Houston, University of Miami. Multi, multi year career for both Greg and Ralph. And it wasn't about making the football team that night, it was about making a disciple. See, your life at work. Are you making disciples? Or do you make for headaches? Do you make problems? Or do you solve problems? See, that's what the salt does. Salt takes dead things and makes them alive again. How many know salt can take a bad meal and make it decent? For a while. (laughs) I've never had something so salty, it's like, what are we eating? But hey. Your work is never just ordinary, normal. It's where God has you. And the Bible says, I want you to get this, because some of you need to hear this, because I believe that there are probably some people here today that were planning on quitting tomorrow. And that's my staff. Those are staff members. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 20. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. So Jesus did not say, I don't like a carpenter family. I want to be in a singing family. I want to sing. No, stay there. The Bible says it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. For there's no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in hell. <laughs> he just goes there again. If you're not working, you're going to hell. And then he says, slaves, Colossians, slaves are employees. <laughs> In all things, obey those who are your masters on earth. In other words, your employer. Not with external service as those who are merely just doing the job, making the boss happy, just to get a promotion, but with sincerity of heart, fearing who? The Lord. For whatever you do, do your work heartily. Or do your work from where? Your heart. How many know you work with people that either work from their head or they work from their heart? If you do this all day long, what time is it? Have we had our lunch break yet? I'm not saying we don't break. But the truth is is that he was saying, don't be that boss or that employee that's always looking to get out of doing the job. And here's the last one. Jesus, being a carpenter, teaches us that he rewards those who work. Let's finish that last two verses from Colossians chapter 3. He just said, don't work as unto man but unto the Lord Watch this. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward. It is the Lord whom you serve. So you don't work for a boss. You work for the Lord. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done. And that without partiality. There were days I did not like working where I was working. I went to New Orleans to go to seminary. At that time I was going to be a chaplain in the military. I didn't like working for a car business, but I became the best car salesman that that dealership had. I didn't like working for Coca-Cola, but I went into management with Coca-Cola. And I didn't like it. I told the Lord, I don't like this. And God says, welcome to the world. (laughs) Welcome to character formation. And it was never, well, I'm just going to resign. I'm just going to quit. I just can't take it. I'd tell Lori, I don't like this job. She says, you quit. I quit. And I said, quit what? She says, quit you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you see a man skilled in his work? Watch this. Instead of complaining, get skills. Instead of griping, why don't you get good at what you do? Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before who? Before kings and he will not stand before who? Obscure men. You do your job and you do it well and you learn it. And I think Jesus went to that place when he was brought to that time of being baptized by John publicly. I think there was that time, that season, that moment where he never complained about being in a carpenter's family or doing carpentry work. And God says, now it's time. How many want to see the Lord open up a, hen, a window of heaven Over your life and even over your job. So here's here's what I think uh, as I close the worship team can come. Let's go. Wherever you are. Whoever they are. They're smoking cigarettes in the back. (laughs) They don't, they don't. They vape. They (laughs) vape here. Where's the drummer? They're always. <laughs> so watch this. Let's talk about how God rewards. So watch this. First Kings nineteen. Elijah needs a replacement, and he finds Elisha. He's just the son of Shaphat, but he was plowing with twelve pairs of oxen before him, and he was the twelfth. You know what he found in Elisha? A man who was not afraid to work a man who was fully engaged in his work. He with the 12th. He's with 12 pair of oxen and he's on it. He's literally like, yeah, let's go. Plow, baby. And he's finding joy. I really do believe he's riding that oxen like a cowboy at the Houston rodeo. He is having a ball. You might as well make your work fun if you're gonna work. And when he sees him, Elijah passes over to him and blesses him by throwing his mantle on him. He literally rewards him. And I think that this is so true. Work is good because it gets God's attention. Let me tell you something. So does bad work. (laughs) Lazy workers, but I'm gonna tell you something. How many want God's attention? How many want God's favorable attention? Work is good because it gets God's attention. Number two, work is good because it shows that we are faithful. Be faithful. Yeah, but I'll be faithful with the Bible if the Lord puts me in the ministry. But no, be faithful with the oxen. Be faithful with the car business that you have. Be faithful as a car salesman. Be faithful at Dell. Be faithful at Tesla or wherever you're working. Be faithful. And if God wants to use you, he will find you. But you got to be faithful with whatever you're doing. And then work is good because it prepares us for the future opportunities. And how many know he went from taking care of oxen to taking care of people? The Bible tells us, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Some of you need to humble yourself and go back to work tomorrow. Humble yourself. And I'm talking to half of our team right now. It's a humbling It's a a breaking, but work is good. It's awesome. Can we stand to our feet? How many of you are... No one moving around yet. No one going to work yet. But um, how many want to be salt and light at your work or in your work? Let me see your hand, okay. How How many of you have walked or you're maybe in a season right now where the job that you have it is not the job that you want. And God has spoken to you about going back, carrying the same mentality that Christ had, even as a carpenter, even in normal, ordinary, average, obscure work. He showed up saying, God, glorify. Glorify yourself through me. As a carpenter, I'm not here to tear it down. I'm not here to be mad at the world. I'm here to build. I'm here to make a difference. How many would say, I I sense the Lord adjusting my life even through this word today. Let me see your hand. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I do believe that there are some in this room that you've bought into the lie that work is just not, well, it just doesn't suit you. And you couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. You're dead wrong. You'll die. The Bible said that suddenly all of a sudden you'll wake up going, I don't have anything. And you'll either repent or you'll blame. You'll either excuse or you'll say, God, I hear you. And I don't want celebration. I don't want any of our membership to be labeled as people that are busybodies and mere talkers. But we are endeavors. We are making a difference in the world today. How many know, listen. Most of the lost people that you know, you know at work. That's where you know them. And if we don't step up and get into that space, I don't know if we're really honest about, do we really want to reach the lost? The one thing I don't like about being in ministry is I'm not in the marketplace. I don't like it. I really don't. I like, I enjoy being with people who are real and not religious. I enjoy just going out where people are really cussers. Or as a great theologian said, they're a toker, they're a smoker, and a what? Midnight joker. See, the Seattle people, you guys knew that. Maybe you're here today and you say, Joe, I don't, in fact, I don't even walk with God. I don't have a relationship to God. I know I'm lost. I am not saved. I'm not saved. I know I don't have a name written in the last book of life. I know that. Or if you say, well, I don't know if I know that, then you're not saved. Then I can give you some information. You're not saved. If you don't even know what that is. Those who are saved know they're saved. And you can be saved right now. What does that mean? Knowing Christ here's the good news you can't save yourself someone did it for you his name is Jesus how many of you would say Joe I like the simplicity of that truth right there and I want you to include me in that prayer I want to know this Christ if he is what you say he is and who he is would you just slip up your hand and say yeah pray with me include me in that prayer I'm not going to bring you forward not going to embarrass anybody but if that's you would you just slip up your hand right now and say yeah include me in that prayer thank you thank you Thank you. See that hand? I see it all over the place. It's awesome. Maybe it's a rededication for some of you, but can we we just pray together as a church, confirming and even confessing this together. Jesus, you came to bring us good news, that you didn't come to kill us or to destroy us or to judge us, but to save us. And Lord, I admit, I need to be saved. I'm lost. I'm a mess. I've sinned and I need you. Come into my world, and I give you my heart, because you deserve it. You died for it. You paid the price for it, the price of your blood, and I believe I will not die, but I will live forever and ever. In your name, I pray, and all of God's people said, amen. Come on, church, one more time.